Welcome to Navigating Your Child's Education, a podcast for parents, grandparents, and anyone raising or influencing children ages kindergarten through high school. Today, we are discussing the topic of multipotentiality. It's a big word and a big topic, and it's something that's important to all parents, even if you've never heard or considered this notion before. We have with us today an esteemed guest, Dr. Mark Eckel. For 37 years, Dr. Eckel has served the education community as a high school teacher, college professor, grad school lecturer, curriculum writer, and international speaker. Welcome, Dr. Eckel. It's great to be with you today. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I'm really excited about uh, this particular topic, mostly because I resonate so much with it, uh, being one of those multi-potentialites myself. I'll look forward to your questions. So I first heard about this topic a few months ago, and I never heard the word before. I watched a TED talk of a young woman who was explaining her experience as someone with multiple interests, and she used the word multi-potentialite. She was discussing the topic of multi-potentiality. I would love to hear from you, what is multi-potentiality? I watched that same TED talk in October of this uh, year, and it was given by Emily Wapnick is her name, and the title of the TED talk was why some of us don't have one true calling. Wapnick identifies three major uh, characteristics of somebody who has multipotentiality. First is idea synthesis. That is how do all things kind of fit together, uh, weave themselves in one way or another together. The second idea she brought forward was rapid learning. The idea that somehow those of us who have uh, a multipotential a connection to a lot of different threads in the fabric of life, uh, really enjoy the speed at which we learn. And by that, she did not mean that multipotentialites necessarily learn faster, but that they had the ability to take in lots of different kinds of information as idea sources and then look for ways to actually plug them into other areas of life. The third uh, characteristic that Wapnick identified was adaptability. And that, to me, as as an old junior high, high school teacher, that's where I started back in 1983 when I started teaching. Uh, I would say to people that my middle name is flexibility. Anybody who has taught K-12 knows exactly what I'm talking about. Anybody who's been a parent of a child knows exactly what I'm talking about. Our middle name is flexibility. Uh, You have to be nimble. You have to be agile. And in Wapnick's term, you have to be adaptable. Uh, For those of us who are multi-potentialites, we consider ourselves in the academy, in higher education, or in K-12 education, we consider ourselves to be interdisciplinarians. Now, by interdisciplinarians, if we broke the word down, we would just take the prefix inter and understand that all disciplines then kind of see themselves as connected some way. So we are not focused on one thing in particular, but we are seeing how the many things that we see all around us fit into the one thing, which, by the way, is exactly the the idea behind the word university. 
So if you break that word down, una means one, virtually means many. And the great question coming out of the 14th century was, how do the one and the many fit together? And so they came up with a term university to actually define that kinds of that kind of idea. Interdisciplinarity, multipotentiality, synthesis, weaving through uh, the thread, taking the threads of life and weaving them through the fabric that we see all around us. Those are the kinds of things uh, that multipotentialites do. We have interests in multiple fields of inquiry. Our prospects are across multiple vocational lines of thought. We do not just simply think in the maths or the sciences or the histories or the literatures. We think about them all, and we are interested in them all. Now, one of the problems I would suggest with multipotentiality is that universities are trying to uh, make folks identify a major. Just imagine this coming right out of high school, you're an 18 year old, and you really have no idea what's going on in the future of your life. And yet there is somebody sitting across from you at a desk or through a Zoom meeting, and they're saying to you, what would you like to major in? Well, you probably have no idea. And oh, by the way, just for the sake of saying this, about 75% of the people that major in a certain area of life in their field in university never practice in that field for the rest of their lives. 75%, three out of every four students. So consider that as an important idea just as we continue the conversation, because I think this has an awful lot to do with the issue of developing the humanities, developing the characteristics of the person, developing the interiority of the individual uh, student, and so in myself, I feel this all the time. And quite frankly, you know, even at 63, where people say, well, you know, it's in your 60s and 70s, you're kind of narrowing your focus. I'm not, <laughs> not at all. I'm, I'm constantly reading new things and wondering, gee, I wonder if I can get involved in that area of life. Uh, this is a, a great, uh, I think, exciting prospect for a lot of parents who have children who have varied interests uh, this is exciting because really this gives your students, your children, uh, multiple directions to go and multiple interests. And uh, this is a great topic for discussion today. And I'm glad that uh, we're having the opportunity to talk about it here. Yeah, I'd love to talk more about this topic from the parenting perspective. How can parents identify whether or not they are raising a multipotentialite? I'm not sure that I can answer that question specifically for any given ch child or for any given household. However, having helped to raise children and helping to influence grandchildren and to encourage nephews and having taught children for all of the years I've taught them, I can say about this topic, this statement, give children a wide berth. I think the frustration that we feel about them not completing gymnastics or maybe dropping piano may or may not be beneficial. I'm a big believer that play is the key. We need to allow children to play. And by this, I'm talking about the youngest of our children. And the concern that we should have as, as parents, uh, that we allow our children to explore and be inventive and be creative, because this is how God has made us. If we are created in God's image, 
and understanding that image is based on this concept of creativity, then we should be the first people in line to actually express things like this. I have many mantras in education, uh, but one of them is this, that the creator has created creatures who creatively create from creation. Now, I can vouch for this just simply watching my grandchildren, for instance, who were just here to visit us. And I love to watch them play. I love to watch them draw. I love to watch them create uh, these marvelous things that in their minds are these, these wonders, these cathedrals in their own minds. This gives children uh, this wide berth that I'm mentioning that gives them the opportunity to play and to invent and be creative, which is exactly how God has made us to be. And so I think in that sense, uh, we should uh, give parents that kind of encouragement as it relates to raising a multi-potentialite. And what might that look like as children begin to age and grow older? You know, often in high school, kids are already getting the question, what are you going to major in, as you mentioned before? And for sure, by the time they're going to a college or university, everyone's asking the question, what are you going to major in? What would it look like to give a child at that age a wide berth? Or does it need to narrow at some point in a child's maturation process? So I believe in this regard, it's important that we give children in K-12 settings the opportunity to see how all of these disciplines interconnect with each other. So while the child is being asked that particular question, I'm not so sure that we should be too concerned about the question being asked by people who may not understand. I think maybe what we ought to be encouraging our students to do is to say uh, in response to that question, here's what I've been learning at school. And I've been learning about one uh, area of life that really interests me right now. And I've connected it back to something I learned last year. I find that some of my other instructors in school are thinking about this idea but it's in a whole different subject area. And so I'm talking with them about it. And we allow children then to express this multi-dimension uh, approach to an educational opportunity that they have within themselves, uh, even at a K in a K-12 setting. What do you think is the best way to balance freedom and creativity with structure when it comes to parenting? I would suggest that um, I would use a different word than balance. Uh, I would use the word tension. I think that tension uh, more, more connects us to a Christian view of things because we're dealing with a, a fallen, finite world, which includes us. And so the tension we constantly feel is that tension between uh, this perfection that we know is available through the blood of Christ and the salvation that we have as individuals. And of course, uh, through uh, nations, and we look forward to Revelation 5 being worked out into the future, uh, into uh, what Christ is going to do when he reclaims his world uh, as king. But what I'm thinking about here in this sense of things is that we need to uh, allow that that kind of tension to develop students, to help them to recognize uh, about being a multi-potentialite that you're not going to get everything that you want. Let's start there. Um, and you have to ask yourself the question, even as a young person, can I live with 70% of what I'm getting right now? 
can I live with 80%? Uh, is this the best way to, for me to use my time and energy and talent and perhaps treasure to go along with all of those kinds of things? Doesn't mean things are going to be perfect. Doesn't mean we're going to get everything that we want. So we live in a tension uh, of that. While I say that issue of tension is important, I recognize that a lot of us then with the creativity that we have uh, need to recognize that there are boundaries within which we need to operate. And I think, quite frankly, this is one of the most difficult issues for, for young people, especially the smallest of our children. And this is where we as parents come into play. We're actually saying no is an important word uh, at the youngest of ages, helping young people to make wise choices, uh, giving them alternative choices. Uh, maybe no is something that we use infrequently, but we give choices and opportunities for them so that they begin to learn how to make decisions. That's what I mean by uh, the tension. And then uh, along with that, we have to help them to understand that as soon as you make a choice, as soon as you make a decision, there are consequences with that choice. Every single choice we make in life has a consequence. And that's not to be uh, negative or in any way uh, despondent or in any way problematic about life. It is just what life is, uh, the life that God has given to us in this world. And so we recognize that while we don't get everything that we want and that there are consequences that may come that may be at times unintended consequences, that we need our, our children to be instructed in this way. I am interrupting this episode for a quick announcement. One of the most important decisions we make as parents is where to send our kids to school. When we think about how many hours a day our kids are at school, there's no denying the fact that it has a profound influence on who they are. Get to know more about Worthington Christian School by downloading our free 24-page viewbook. Visit worthingtonchristian.com forward slash explorewc. Again, it's worthingtonchristian.com forward slash explore WC. Now, back to our show. It seems as though American culture now encourages people to fit into specific categories. Specialization is something that permeates our culture not just with doctors in the medical field, but also with sports, even children, we're encouraging them to specialize in one sport, even from a very early age. This is across the board. Specialization uh, permeates every field, it seems. Why do you think that is? Why do I think that is? Uh, we have adopted and adapted to a view of the university and of education that frankly is not biblical. There would be a long historic uh, preamble to my answer if I were to go back to the 18th and 19th century and talk about how the German view of the university has influenced the United States of America, but we won't go there. I'll just say that uh, for us, our focus on specialization has come from a certain place and a, a certain time. Now, as soon as I say that, and I'm going to say multiple things here that are going to sound contradictory, but they're not. I would say that the last thing in the world you want to do when you go into surgery 
is to hear a doctor say as you're going under the anesthesia, okay, now wheel in my library so I can have my books with me uh, in case we run into problems. You know, nobody wants that in a doctor when you're going into surgery. Uh, nobody wants those kinds of uh, situations to arise. At the same time, I would also suggest that if you talk to anybody in the military, that they would say to you that military intelligence is only good into about five minutes of the first battle. Because after five minutes, you discover what the enemy is doing and is something totally different than you're prepared for. And once again, we come back to the concept of flexibility. Talk to any athlete, any athlete, and I love NFL football. So this is certainly true uh, in football as much as it is in any other kind of sport. The ability to be agile and nimble and flexible and adaptable to the situation that you find yourself in, uh, in a ball game, for instance, changes constantly. Uh, in baseball, it changes pitch to pitch. Uh, in football, it changes snap to snap. Um, if we're talking about any kind of athletic event, we're talking about the ability of the athlete to shift with the momentum of that particular sport at that particular time. But I'm especially pleased that you talked about athletics because I would like to introduce your uh, listening audience to a book that I read uh, last June, June 2019. It had just come out and I was so excited to read this book. I read it in just a couple of settings. Uh, sittings. Uh, the title of the book is Range. Just think of Home on the Range. The book is entitled Range. Subtitle is Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. I'll read that again. Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World. I was so excited by this book. This is exactly true uh, about the kinds of things that we're talking about right now. And what's especially interesting to me in the, the way that you asked the question about athletics is that this book was written by David Epstein, who is a New York Times bestselling author who cut his teeth in the sports world. So most of what he's written about in the past is in sports. And what he's saying in the very first pages of this book, which is really cool, is he's saying that the best athletes are the ones who engage in multiple sports. Now, I will let your listening audience go and grab a copy of this book. And quite frankly, I wish for the sake of uh, at earning money little by little that I was just mentioning a moment ago, that I would kind of get some kickbacks on this because I've recommended this book to so many people. I've reviewed the book. It's up on my, my website. I've put it up on um, multiple journal websites. It's a very, very important book to me. Why generalists are going to triumph in a specialized world. Read that book, David Epstein. The, the book is entitled Range. Why am I so excited about that book as it relates to your question? Because we have so committed ourselves to specialization that we really have hindered this opportunity to be true interdisciplinarians or in what we're discussing today, a multi-potentialite. Let me take it to, or let me give an example of this uh, from where I work at the university. I know lots of really fine instructors, really great teachers. And that means from K-12 through PhD. But I also know PhDs who dig deep holes, climb in and never come out again. And that's really sad. It's sad for their students because these folks who are instructors 
aren't learning anything new. All they're doing is teaching you all the stuff they learned 30 years ago when they did their dissertation. This is a sadness to me. Uh, all of us should be uh, wondrous and ponderous about the greatness of the life that God has given to us. Uh, this reminds me, too, of Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 4, uh, where it talks about where Solomon got his wisdom from. And, of course, we know that, that famous prayer that he prayed in 1 Kings chapter 3, that he might have uh, wisdom and knowledge and understanding to guide God's people. And then God said, I'm going to give you everything else uh, that I want to promise you as well. But there in 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 to 34, it says that God had given him, God had given Solomon wisdom in all of these different areas, including areas as diverse as botany, as poetry. He was a psalmist. He wrote songs. So a songwriter. And then even it mentions that he was an entomologist, uh, somebody who was interested in insects. And so you can actually see this coming through some of the Proverbs. I'm thinking here about Proverbs chapter 30. I think it's verses 4 to 7 thereabouts, uh, where Solomon is referencing some of the insects that God has made in the world. I'm suggesting here that uh, all of Scripture is full of a connection to the world and life around it. I am an older millennial, and I've heard it said of my generation that we can't keep a job, we aren't focused, you know, compared to previous generations, many had the same job for their entire lives, retired from that one place. That's not the case for millennials. And I'm guessing that won't be the case for Gen Z either. Do you think that this phenomenon or this change and transition has anything to do with multi-potentiality? My general response would be that everybody's culture and context is different. From my vantage point, I would not see this as a negative. I would see this as a, as a positive. Uh, can I prescribe what might happen in the future for, let's say, millennials or Gen Z or whatever generation, or people who have lost their job or had their job taken from them, uh, no fault of their own? Uh, I think we should encourage all of ours, all of us, no matter who we are, from cradle to grave, that we recognize the necessity of being agile and nimble in life, and that life has consequences uh, that sometimes hit us, even as we may be innocent in the process of whatever decision somebody else has made that has exploded our world. So I see this as a benefit. I don't see it as a detriment in that general sense of things. No matter what your giftedness is, no matter what direction God has given your mind to go in, no matter how you have been designed, no matter what your circumstances or culture or context have been in the past, uh, those things may well serve you into the future as it relates to the kinds of connections that you might have and the abilities uh, that you, the directions that you might have and the abilities that you have already existing uh, to go in those, uh, those ways. So all of that to say that the emphasis that we're uh, that we have here on multipotentiality and being a multipotentialite is to encourage those young people that might want to go in so many different directions and say, hey, there's a story I just heard about this person who started out when they were in college doing this, but by the end of their life was doing something altogether different. Those are really important ideas to get across to them. 
you've talked so much about what the Bible has to say about uh, creation and the creator and, and who God has made us to be in his image. If you look at uh, modern Christianity or the church as it is today, do you think that the Christian faith supports multipotentiality? I have a smile on my face as I answer that question. Uh, I would say no, generally speaking, because the church, as it has in so many other areas of life, has succumbed to the influence of the culture instead of influencing the culture and making that go the other way around. Uh, so does the church support this? I would say, generally speaking, no. We we are human persons who get set in our ways, and it's true with me as much as it might be true with anybody or any organization. Uh, that doesn't mean that you lose your mission. Your mission should always remain the same, or at least uh, you should come to a place after some time where you are going to rethink your mission. That's certainly a possibility as well. But nonetheless, you're not drifting constantly uh, in and out of uh, a direction that, that God has placed you to be or to do. An emphasis, again, uh, for the church ought to be to recognize the God-given creativity and giftedness uh, that we have been given and allow young people who have come to various giftedness or, and have been acknowledged by pastors and elders and parents in their churches uh, to uh, exercise those gifts to the glory of God. You have two adult children and four grandchildren. If you could have received one piece of advice when your children were young that you didn't, something that you wish you knew then that you know now, what piece of advice would you give to parents of younger children? If there was one thing that I wish somebody had told me then, it was enjoy changing diapers now, because as your children age, the struggles and the difficulties and the problems that you may face um, may become more and more difficult, more and more advanced, more and more complex with the necessity of deeper and deeper wisdom and discernment in giving explanation and help for your children into the future. Dr. Eckel, thank you for joining us today. and Thank you for sharing your experience and expertise in the topic of multipotentiality. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to Navigating Your Child's Education podcast so that the most recent episode will show up in your library.